Morning. I mentioned this at the nine as well this morning. Piggybacking off what Mo said about Mission Connection, Friday night and Saturday. Some of you are going to come to that conference and you're going to hear a call to leave everything and go. Straight away, some of you are like, we're not going then. Some of you are saying, well, I'll be t- I'm too young. Wrong. Some of you are saying, I'm too old. Very wrong. Some of you are saying, but I, it's the wrong season of my life. I've got young kids. Extremely, extremely wrong. Not the case. If you're a follower of Jesus, hearing the Lord's call on your life, saying go, and it doesn't make any sense at all. That's living. So I'm just saying, if I don't see you at the weekend, I know why. Coward. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> so today, let me lean into something um, at the end. When we conclude our time of worship today, um, there's going to be a quick turnaround. Today, we're going to have our annual meeting. It's kind of called an annual business meeting, but it's more prayer and celebration than it is business. And our elders will be leading that time. And so when we conclude this gathering today, you'll kind of be dismissed. It's a kind of go get your kids. And if you... uh, call Grace your home or even want to know a little bit more about what the Lord has been doing in this last year and moving forward, then join us. It'll be like a five-minute turnaround. Service will conclude, leave or stay. And if you need to do a quick bathroom break, then that's fine. Leave, come back. We'll get going hopefully by about 12.30 and it's like 30 minutes. But more importantly, as leaders, we'll get to share with you what the Lord has been doing and we'll pray through it. Then something else and we'll pray through it. It's collectively, it's a family It's family business is what we're going to be sharing, all right? So I want to invite you to do that. Um, Your stomach can wait 30 more minutes. You you will survive. You will survive, all right? Um, But I just want to encourage you to be part of that today. I can say, you know, the sooner we can then, well, it's like 30 minutes, all right? And it's not even me in charge, so it probably will be 30 minutes, all right? Um, All right, okay, today. In this series of Soul Fuel, we've been walking through the book of 1 Thessalonians. The next three weeks, the emphasis will be on the Lord's return, an after big deal, whereas these first five weeks have been focused on what about the here and the now and where we can gain soul strength and soul fuel. Let me give some of the scriptures we've had so far, and then today is really, really significant. First Thessalonians chapter one and verse three, we continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. The fuel of our soul is faith, hope, and love. It's everywhere in the scriptures. Faith, hope, and love. Way, truth, life. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's everywhere, everywhere you can see it. Your soul is desiring and craving faith, hope, and love in every human. What happens is it's such a deep longing that we will go often to wherever we may think that fuel could be provided. And for many people, it's in all the wrong places. Faith, this sense of meaning and who can be trusted. Where do I go for that? Hope, this sense of destiny and what is my purpose in this world? Is it worth it? Love, the desire for belonging and connection and intimacy. Does anyone care? It's a deep longing in our soul and we instinctively will long to have that filled. So what fuel are we filling our soul? We need to fill our soul with the fuel, the clean fuel of what the Lord provides in faith, hope, love. Last week, the verse last week at the end of chapter three says this, chapter three, verse 13. May he strengthen your hearts, here's two key words, so that... May he strengthen your hearts with a reason. May he strengthen your hearts for this cause. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. May he strengthen your heart 
so that you'll be blameless and holy. I'm gonna mess with your brain a little bit today because some of us, it needs to be flipped. When I say blameless and holy, some of you interpret that so that you may be boring. Blameless and holy. It sounds like I'm gonna have to live my life not doing a bunch of things. And for many people, the the way we think about being blameless and holy isn't one of, wow! Your concept of being holy seems to be what I don't do rather than what? I get to be what the Lord intended me to be, the creator of the universe. Have you seen its splendor and wowness? The creator of all inside of me and what could be. I get to live a holy life, what God poured into Adam and Eve on day one. I get to live that way. For many of you, you live life avoiding losing. Many a sports team has been accused of this. You play to avoid a loss. So what I need to do is make sure I don't do this so I don't lose. And some of you have attached that even into your walk with God, in your faith system, whatever that is. But as a follower of Jesus, don't live like that. Oh, so what I have to do is just avoid losing. So I'm following you, Jesus. And because I'm following you, I'm not doing these things. Do I get a passing grade? Because So in other words, here's your posture. Your posture is, my life is about avoiding sin. Here's what it should be. My life is about pursuing God. My life is about pursuing His fullness, His strength, His fuel of faith, hope, and love. My life is about pursuing what does it mean to live blameless and in His holiness. My life is that. But if my mindset is, oh, I exist to avoid sin, that's playing not to lose when you're called to play to win. Playing not to lose is is the opposite of playing to win. I don't know about you, but playing not to lose is not attractive to a dark world. But when we present holiness as being a legalistic set of rules that what we do not do, do you think the enemy may have hijacked that? Key phrase today, I'll say a lot. What God creates, Satan counterfeits. What God creates as good and gift to humanity, Satan produces a fake. And and if he can't fake it and counterfeit it, he will corrupt it. And no bigger subject than what we'll get into today, not yet. First Thessalonians chapter four, I'm gonna read. We may cover verse one through seven today. We may cover verse one through seven. Hey, guys who are just coming in right now, there's, I don't mind, there's some seats right here as well if you want. It's okay, you can come. There's like five here, like on row five. I'm all good. I'm, I'm glad you're here. Like, come take a seat. Because like, you know, some of the people fill from the back. I get it. But the front people are really nice. <laughs> Most of you. Anyway, are you ready? This is key today. First Thessalonians chapter four, verse one and two. Finally, brothers... I'm very comforted by this. If you've read 1 Thessalonians, he says the word finally, he's nowhere near finished. I get comfort from that. He doesn't land the plane for a long time. So I'm just saying, if Paul can say finally, and it's a long time till he finishes, so can I. (laughs) Finally, brothers, we instructed you how to live in order to please God. As in fact, you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. Well, what was he instructing them on how to live? We don't fully know, but we can see elsewhere what Paul was teaching to these new churches. We instructed you on how to live. I'm gonna say this right now. You you do not understand how unbelievably I am excited by the number of Gen Zers in this room right now. So excited. For those who know college kids, all right? Anyway, so high school, college, 20-somethings. But here's one thing I am discovering. The majority of them, the majority of them are from a broken home. The majority of them, the majority 
have not had modeled to them by their parents what it is to follow Jesus. The majority. The majority of them crave, crave walking with Jesus richly. They just don't know fully how to. Therefore, the rest of us who are not even close to being Gen Z anymore. Hey, I discovered this today. This is a little aside. The text I'm preaching today was my first ever sermon I ever preached in my life 33 years ago, this text. I have the notes and I have it on cassette tape. (laughs) And nobody's getting the notes or the cassette tape. My first ever, ever, ever message was from this text. And I had a look at the notes a couple of weeks ago. Anyway, I'm not preaching them notes, um, but there's some, there, there was one or two things in there that were true. Um, but what I'm saying is this. I was coached on how to 33 years ago by my mentor pastor who was a graduate from Spurgeon's Bible College. Spurgeon was the preacher of preachers. And he coached me in some things that he thought would help. We have got a generation that I'm unbelievably excited about and they desperately need people to walk with them to help them with how to. It's one thing having it here, but what does it look like? So the rest of you, I'm gonna tell you, when you see somebody younger than you, make the first move. Introduce yourself. Hey, how are you? This is me. Welcome to the family. What, what, what's on your mind right now? How can I pray for you? You just might find that they want to do lunch with you. They want to have coffee with you. They want somebody to help walk them through this life following Jesus. Paul came to this brand new church and he instructed them with how-tos and they were living it out. And we've got a generation who I believe are going to be absolute history makers and they need the rest of us to help them with some how-tos. Here we go, verse two. For you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. So these instructions were not self-help tips. They were from the authority of the name of Jesus. Now, I wanna get into this today with knowing that the words that I am preaching from today are the authority of God. Therefore, there's an objectivity, not subjectivity to this. And some of it is, woo, here we go. But here's my heart for today. There is a better way. There's a better way. There's a better way of living life when we trust God. Is it, are we avoiding losing? Or are we playing to win? Is it a better way to live with the outcome of being blameless? Or do we want to go with this? Here's the way to not live to please God. We end up with guilt, shame, regret. We feel unworthy. We're driven by fear, not faith, despair, not hope, isolation, not love. And today, one of the examples that Paul leans into these new believers is all about some how-tos. How to trust God with this and live in such a way that leads to blameless and hope. And to see the beauty of that and to go, that's where I am going to live in the beauty of his holiness. We're going to talk about sex today. Because Paul goes straight there. Here's the why. And when I discover the full why of this, this is why we have to talk about it today. Out of all the subjects that Paul could have picked up with this young church, of all the cultural situations, he picks up this one. Okay, sidebar, those who like it when I bring some history and some cultural context, get excited. Those who think boring, move on, Des, whatever. (laughs) I like some history. This really matters. Thessalonica, this Greek location. It's a Greco-Roman world at that time. Greek culture and Roman culture coming together with an influence of Egypt all taking place. From that, there are lots of spirituality things, lots of gods Greek and Roman mythological gods, but gods still the same. 
and Egyptian ones. Heracles and Zeus and Apollo and Aphrodite and Isis and Osiris, all these are all taking place. Aphrodite's Venus with the Roman one, all these are all going out. And you think, oh yeah, there were just these artistic things. Wrong. Can I just say this to you? There is one big G God, only him, the Lord alone. However, there are small G gods that have power. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yes, it's called demonic power. It's demonic. When we're not talking spiritual enough, people, it's demonic. How is it that these small G gods had such power, such impact, they impacted people's being, it helped them to see things which were not true and they thought they were true? They had power over them and they would worship them and they would have worship encounters with these gods and they would trust them and they would give their lives to them. They would give their children to them. This was really, really powerful stuff because everything God creates, Satan counterfeits. Everything that God wants for mankind to worship him alone, he has got to make sure they worship someone else, something else always been the way. So in that culture, let me explain for you. Because Aphrodite is a demonic goddess, Venus in the Roman culture. Let me explain to you. They had a fa- Aphrodite in this culture had a thousand male and female prostitutes as part of their worship. But you know, oh, that was all then. Let me just unpack this for you. Greek mythology states that Aphrodite is the goddess of romantic love. Is that a really good thing? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Your soul craves it. The goddess of romantic love, sexual desire. Is that a good thing originally created? Yes, it is. Everything God creates, Satan counterfeits and corrupts. Aphrodite is the goddess of female power the goddess of the life-giving ocean and sea, the goddess of bringing love into the world. In those days, where did this love come from? Where did this desire and sexual expression come from? Aphrodite. We should be so thankful and grateful. She is the source and there will be worship and therefore it was sexual anarchy because of the freedom that brought. Now, let me just pick up this. Sexual anarchy is married to demonic spirituality. Because everything God creates, Satan counterfeits and corrupts. In those days... All the cities that the early church was being gathered and formed to, all these new cities who hadn't heard the gospel, the vast majority were Greco-Roman in their culture, taking the good news and the gospel and how to follow Jesus in those cultures. Oh, wow, not easy because there was this sexual anarchy taking place and there was demonic spirituality married to it. So this is what it looked like. Men were it was permissible for them to groom young boys and young girls for their sexual pleasure. In those days, men were, if they so felt like it, hey, your wives, mm-mm, thank you very much. Yes, please. Can we share mistresses? Yes, please. This is a one-night deal. This is a two-night deal. This is a short-term but not lifelong deal. And union wasn't necessarily to be oneness. It was very much about meanness and otherness. And all that was taking place in and around all this culture over time. And you're thinking, Des, are you talking 2,000 years ago or today? I'm talking today and 2,000 years ago. If you want to look at our culture, and when it comes to sexuality and our culture, what God creates, Satan corrupts. And it leads to brokenness. I'll I'll touch on it in a moment. Let's now, with that, understand this. Paul is writing to a church in that kind of a culture and he's got to somehow help them. How do I live 
following Jesus in what is perceived as normal in our city. So I'll face you young guys. How do you live following Jesus with your physical intimacy in a culture that presents a different normal? And you are bombarded with it. How is that possible? Can I just say, it's not enough to have a mindset of I'm playing not to lose. Well, what I do is I'm just going to do a, I am not going to do this. The enemy's got you there. Because all he has to do is surround you with what you're missing. But if your heart is not focused on that, it's focused on the best that God has for you and you get a fresh revelation of all that that is, then you've got a different sense. Faith, again, based upon what the Lord has done and said, what is it you are living with hope for? What is he living with hope for? And I'm gonna awaken every single person's life in here and all of your marriages. In this room today, we have got young people, not married yet, but dating. We've got young people here still single, craving to be dating. We've got some who are like, so glad I'm not dating because I see the mess my friends are in. We've got people who are engaged, people who are newlyweds. We've got people who've been married for a few years, some married for decades. We've got people, sadly, in this room as well, and I go there who are no longer married. Maybe you've lost your husband or wife through death or through divorce. And within all of that, in our culture. And our numbers in the church are the same as in the world. They're the same. Have we been playing avoiding a loss instead of playing with what the Lord has in mind? So, let's go verse three through seven of all the subjects. Okay, guys, speed up. Here we go. Verse three through seven. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. Straight away, some well, that sounds boring. It is God's will you should become more and more like Him, living in closer union with God, Him revealing to you all the fullness that He had in mind for you, all the joy, all the pleasure, all the fruit of His Spirit in all of its fullness for you to go, this is amazing. It is God's will that you should be sanctified or is sanctified for you is God's will for you to be boring. The enemy counterfeits what God creates. Good and. And then he says that you should, here we go, here's how it connects, that you should avoid sexual immorality. Why is he picking on this subject? Oh, there's a big reason why we'll get to it. That each of you should learn to control his own body. Can I just go with this? Learn. Some of you just want to go, Lord, take away my desire for this. Amen. Learn. Sanctification. There's a learning process. Learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable. Again, how are you viewing that phrase? Learn to control your body in a way that is holy and honorable, worship-like. Learn to control his own body that I get to encounter the love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control of that. Attach them to your physical intimacy. Do you know on that? Or is it, oh, holy and honorable means I just don't. Let's go there. Here we go. Not in passionate lust like the heathen who do not know God, and that in this matter, no one should wrong his brother or take advantage of him. Cultural, really dark. Yeah, I kind of touched on it before. Carry on. The Lord will punish men for all such sins, as we have already told you and warned you. Here's the beauty of verse seven. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. This is in the context of sexual intimacy and union and oneness. It applies all around to our physical person. He didn't call you to be impure. Why would God say, I am calling you to feel the 
degradation, the brokenness, the hurt, the abandonment, the fear, the identity, the unworthiness. I am calling you to live like that. That's what impure means. Or do you want to live clean and restored and life-filled and full of joy in a holy way and to see it the way that God who created sexuality and everything within it in its original intention is going to go. So let me go there. This is why Paul is picking on this subject. Number one, it's a big deal in that culture, which it is in ours. But it goes back to the very, 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 very first thing God ever said to humanity. The Lord creates in his image male and female. Genesis 1.28. In his image, he creates them, male and female. Genesis 1.26, sorry. He creates them. He's done that. What are the very, very, very first words that are audible from God to humanity? It isn't, I am God, worship me. It isn't, I did this, say thank you. The very first words from God spoken to male and female are this, be fruitful and increase in number. Old school, go forth and multiply. What does it mean? The very first thing God wanted for male and female was complete physical, spiritual oneness. Go. Multiply. I don't have to do a biology class, do I? If there's some who do, ask your friend next door. So, that, that, what? This union is deeply spiritual. It is deeply spiritual. When we just think that sex is purely physical, we miss it because everything God creates, Satan counterfeits. He wants you to think it's just a physical urge, just a physical need, just a physical desire. It is about the very identity of why God created you. You were created for oneness with God and oneness with one another. And the union of God returning for his bride, the church, is a marriage image and marriage is all across the scriptures. And the very thing coming out of God's mouth to mankind is this matters. This is what I am calling you to. In chapter two, he then says, okay, in the future, the plan is gonna be you leave your mother and father and you cleave, you create, you become a one being. The two shall become one flesh, one flesh. Again, no diagram needed, but I'm just letting you know. You shall become one flesh. Everything God creates, Satan counterfeits. One flesh. Not sure of the laws in America, but in England, if I was, to, if I was unmarried and I went through a wedding ceremony with a woman and I made my vows and I signed whatever license, I am still free from that person, I do not need to divorce them. I can annul that marriage until it's consumed, until there is a consummation of that union. I am not married till the two have become one flesh. That's in English law. It's a biblical principle. Ancient Jewish weddings would be, they would have the ceremony and the couple, and everything's all good, the party could not start until the two had become one flesh. So the bride and groom would leave, and at some point they would return. And when they enter into the party, they're all like, yeah, get the party started! And the children in the room go, we know what you've been doing. You know, and they enter the room because it has been one flesh has happened. This is a spiritual declaration of how God originally wanted everything to be. Therefore, no wonder all cultures get hit with this subject. No wonder your marriages and marriage gets attacked more than any other biblical institution that there is. It has been from the very, very, very beginning. Let me just make some simple declaration to you here. Without diving into it, I could do many weeks on this, which we won't because of time right now, but here we go. 
the gift of sexual intimacy and oneness and union biblically that the Lord gave was given for many reasons. Let me give you the top five. Biblical top five reasons. I won't give you chapters and verses. If you want them, you can come ask me, but I think you can trust me with it. Is that all right? Number one, there's no particular order. Number one, pleasure. The Lord wanted you to have joy and to enjoy and to desire. The words of the Lord when he created the world was that he looked at it and it was good. And then when he created mankind, just joy and pleasure. That's why Song of Songs was banned for teenage boys to read in ancient times. Moving on. Number two, the purpose of sexual intimacy in marriage given by God is children. Number three, the purpose and the benefit of sexual intimacy in marriage is oneness, union, that is mysteriously, spiritually, physically, relationally, emotionally encompassing. Number four, protection. When you have physical oneness and intimacy, there is a protection, forsaking all others, because we have this bond. And finally, comfort. There is comfort to be experienced. Do you see how they just dive into your soul cravings? He dives so much into your soul. The comfort and protection that is brought out of oh, who can be trusted in faith. The purpose of future things and aspirations, hope, and the encounter of intimacy and belonging in the two becoming one in love. Critical. It's all related to it. So when it comes to sexual intimacy, what we've got here from a faith thing is some of you are driven by fear, not faith in that area. It's a fear of, again, playing to lose, or a fear of rejection, abandonment, all these different things. Maybe there's been previous encounters and experiences that have given you reason to fear. Today's a day that gets reconsecrated and you live by faith with it. When it comes to hope, some of you are more sure, you're more I mean, a phrase, I, I had to write this down this week because I knew I would get it wrong. You're more sure of what you're afraid of than you are of what you hope for. So when it comes to this whole area of relationship, and some of you are even married, you're more sure of what you're afraid of than what you hope for. You need a fresh revelation of what the Lord has called you to in your marriage present or future. And there's a vision and a fresh revelation of all that that is. And don't live by what you're afraid of, live by what you hope for, which is the fullness of God's original intention in the blessing of physical intimacy. Okay, now. Mm. Okay. Let me give two texts from other brand new churches, cities at that time, Rome and Corinth, who were also in the midst of this kind of a culture. Let me give you these two texts that you know or you've heard before in the context of everything I'm talking about. Romans 12. Because we have, we have sanitized this text. Listen to the words. Therefore, I urge you, same text again from, from Thessalonians, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. You are declaring God's oneness in your oneness. Offer your bodies as a living. This is, this is as much to honoring God and worship as there could be. What's the context and culture? This is what we're talking about, your bodies. Some of you, we need to re-consecrate your marriages today. Bring them metaphorically onto the altar because the enemy is raging havoc with your intimacy. And you're playing not to lose. 
and he's holding it captive. But when you embrace the joy and what the Lord has created for that oneness, we encounter all the fullness of his holiness in protection and comfort and pleasure and the, all of the blessing that comes from it. We need a fresh revelation of that. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Do you know the opposite of faith is self? As in faith in God. Either have faith in the Lord or faith in something else. And often it's us. I can work it all out. I can work it all out. So to quote a 21st century poet, the poet Swift says it this way, it's me, I, I'm the problem, it's me. Some of you in the room going, say what? Some of you get it. What is hindering you from trusting the Lord fully is me. It's me. I, I'm the problem, it's me. Like, did Des quote Taylor Swift in church? A lyricist is a modern-day poet. On Mars Hill, the Apostle Paul quotes one of their poets and says, even your poets say, in him we live and breathe and have our being. You think it's very spiritual, don't you? He's quoting a non-Jesus-following poet that still is revealing a soul craving. It wasn't even in my notes. Thanks, Taylor Swift. <laughs> Moving on. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What needs to be transformed? There's a pattern of this world. The God of this world has blinded the eyes of people. The God of this world has been throwing the counterfeit of what God created as a gift. The God of this world has surrounded this ultimate beautiful expression given to mankind. He has come in and thrown everything at it. He has said, you don't need to go that way. This is enough, this is enough, this is enough. I will surround your world with a pornography and a, here's another person and here's a one night and here's a one day and nobody needs to know and it's not gonna kill you and there's this and this and this and this and this. Fill in the blank, fill in the gap. Some of you are now thinking, but what about even us in some of marriages? Some of you, the marriage is not intimate anymore. And I'm gonna say, that's not how the Lord wants you to express one another's love right now. He wants oneness. You can relax now, it's all right. But when me and, when me and Mel are walking in our marriage in complete oneness, a natural fruit and joy of all that is intimacy. When we are not in oneness... <laughs> You can forget intimacy because it comes from a place of safety and joy. And many of us are just going, well, we're still married. I'll avoid not losing instead of playing to win and encountering the joy of what the Lord intended because from that oneness, our souls get refueled. We can encounter the oneness we can have with the Lord. And when your heart is full and your heart is filled, here we go. And it is such an incredible weapon against the enemy. So good. First Corinthians Oh, let me carry on the end of Romans 12. Oh, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, perfect will. Could it be expressing God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will for your life is oneness with him and oneness with your expression of the Godhead in your spouse? It's not exclusive of it. His good, pleasing, and perfect will is that I gave you this gift for 
for pleasure and children and protection and oneness and comfort. I gave this gift. And everything God creates, Satan counterfeits and corrupts and wants you to avoid it because he knows that is the story from day one. And he wants to destroy it wherever he can. 1 Corinthians 6, so well known. Again, context and culture of what I'm talking about. Verse 19, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Honor God, it's the same root word of worship. Display him, honor God with your body. This is deeply connected to our sexuality and sexual expression. But honor God? How do, you, how do we honor God? I'm gonna just very, very quickly, because I'm almost out of time, very quickly mention this. This is deeply connected to sexuality and sexual intimacy, deeply. But at the same time, the Western world has detached how we treat our physical bodies with worship. If the Lord has called, young guys, hear this, young people, I can speak to you because you've got time to shift this. If the Lord calls you to something and he gifts you with an opportunity, it is your responsibility to steward that. It's not enough to go, well, God, you just give me everything I need to be able to do this. I don't need to sleep. I don't need to stay healthy. I'll just be okay. And the fact that I won't be able to fulfill your call because I went and abused my body and couldn't physically do it and I was exhausted, that's not my fault. Yes, it is your fault. I spent way too long physically unhealthy and that's dishonoring the Lord because it's my responsibility to fulfill the call and he's put on my life. I need to have the energy for it, the endurance for it, and I need to do what is in my, what is in my hands to be able to honor God with that. The Western world thinks it's perfectly okay to call out sexual immorality while celebrate gluttony. Moving on, quickly. Ouch, why did I say that? Because I just, anyway. We honor the Lord with how we live our lives. So, this is what we're going to do right now. Today, I want to present an opportunity for you. Some of you, I speak to you married people. I'm going to say to you, for your marriage, I'm going to invite you to freshly consecrate your marriage. Set it apart for the Lord in every area of oneness. May the days ahead of you be at more oneness than ever before. That includes sexual intimacy, absolutely critically. If, if you want to know how you can um, protect your pastor the most, pray like crazy for our marriage. Because if that goes south, everything goes south. But if that goes well, it goes well. I feel so alive today, so alive today. Because my wife's incredible. And she knows it, and I'm not bad myself. However, however, what do you think the enemy throws at us all the time? And how many times have we taken them arrows? And then sometime later gone, huh, huh. Consecrate your marriages. And I want to say specifically for some of you, you need to reconsecrate your bedroom. And it's God's will for you. And so, second step is all of you people who maybe marriages in front of you, you need to start now in consecrating what that will be. And to see that your future marriages are going to be a battleground. And to know what it is you have to fight for. But to look at that not playing not to lose, but playing to win.
to look at it and then allowing you to trust the Lord that when it comes to physical intimacy and sexual intimacy, the Lord has created something more beautiful, more powerful, more oneness and union bringing than you could possibly imagine. And to chase the Lord in that area of your life. Because it feels a bit weird praying to the Lord about that. So for some of you guys and girls, you're looking elsewhere, consecrate your life. You're looking at stuff, consecrate your life. You've got some past pain and hurt and regret, consecrate your life. The Lord is faithful and he is a healer. He's a provider. So this is how we do this. In a moment, I'm gonna ask you, in a moment, you ask you to stand. I wanna invite prayer partners to come down front, but they'll be just options for you. And then everybody else, I'm gonna invite you, if you want to consecrate your future relationship or your now relationship to the Lord and for it to experience a oneness of physical union beyond what it is right now, like just so good and protection for that, then I want you to get out of your seat and I want you to find some space down front or on the side and surrender. And you'll do that by either kneeling down or if that's not a good posture for you, be fully surrendered before the Lord and go, Lord, I, I consecrate afresh my sexual identity and my union with my wife or my husband or my future wife or husband. I consecrate that afresh to you today as an expression of worship. Not to conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of my mind. You've been bought at a price. The Holy Spirit in you. Therefore, honor God with your body. So stand. Hey band, would you come out now? I know it would normally do when I'm praying, but come out now. Prayer partners, would you come out and be available? Hey, and if any of you prayer partners are like, Dad, I don't want to pray for people today. I need the prayer. That's all cool. Come out and then when I say go, you can just hit your knees. So prayer partners will be available for you after this time. But this posture of consecrating that before the Lord, I'm now going to say, come now. Like if nobody comes, I'm gonna say, wow, you've got all, anyway, you're just lying. Either you're surrendering to the sin of pride or you just think it's no big deal and the enemy's got you. So come out, everybody who wants to consecrate their sexual intimacy and union and oneness in their marriage. If you're married, bring your spouse with you, even if they don't like you right now. Bring your spouse with you, like some oneness. Um, uh, so Mel, just come up here. She's like, I hate you. Don't do this. You don't have to do anything. You just have to be with me. Come on up. All right. Start coming out. If you want to consecrate your marriage on your, even your person right now, anywhere in here, come and take a surrendered posture. Kneeling or like this. Fill the space. We ran out of space at the nine, so don't worry about it. If, if this, this matters, it matters. You're on the wrong side. matters come on out uh, keep the aisle bit open boys go left or right you're blocking the aisle it's all right just when you come down don't don't sit there left right space come out husbands wives come out when 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 we are not good the outcome is not intimacy when we are good everything's good um, so, like, and so I, I want to pray for your marriages, future or present. And the rest of you, during these next two songs, if you feel the need to come out, come out, surrender. If after this time when you're there, you want to go to a prayer partner, I encourage it. Go to a prayer partner and go, yeah, can you just pray for us for this? Pray for me for this? Maybe it's healing from brokenness or strength for the future, but to go for it. Okay. So, uh, all right, I'm gonna, let's pray. King Jesus, when we say we give everything and everyone, we now declare this personally. King Jesus, we give everyone to you. That means we give afresh of ourself and our husband or wife, present or future. We give everyone to you. 
And now, Lord, we give everything to you. And today, we give our sexual intimacy, the oneness that you created for us to experience pleasure, children, comfort, protection, oneness. We declare that it is a gift from the Lord and we say, Satan, you are throwing your counterfeits and your fake all around us, but we belong to Jesus. And we consecrate afresh our relationship with one another to you. And specifically, Lord, we consecrate afresh our physical oneness to you and all that that is. Bring your healing. Bring your promise. And may we pursue you and your holiness in this. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm aware that for some of you, there's, there's a lot to process with this. Reach out to us as a church. Reach, reach out and reach out to one another. But spend time praying. Husbands, if you're with your wife right now, just put your hand on her and pray for her. I don't do that. There's your problem. You know, just, if you need to stand in worship holding her hand, it's okay. The Lord has given you a gift. Honor him with it. And you can stay down here as long as you want. I mean, the next two songs speak for themselves with it. And then utilize our prayer partners. And then when we're done with all of that time, Ali will dismiss to then return for the business meeting. We good? We good? So I've been preaching for 33 years. And this text was my first ever message. I've been married for 31. But she heard my first ever sermon. And she still married me. Um, this is the ultimate expression of the Lord. His oneness. And he is returning. Find out more next week. All good? All good? All right.